Yeah, come on in. Let's have some more fun. Can I tell you another healing miracle? So, um, you're never too old to get healed. We had a... 85-year-old woman come into the healing rooms, and actually she had had polio since birth, and so her right side, her, her leg was shorter than her left leg, her arm, left arm was shorter, I mean her right, whatever, one side, <laughs> one side was shorter, and, and her joints didn't really work properly, and so she limped, and she, she was a real overcomer. She'd, you know, she was 84 years old, and she'd had this all her life, but she was joy-filled. She was loving the Lord, and she didn't come in for that because she'd had that all her life. She came in for some back pain, back problems, and um, so a team was praying for her, and we have kids on our team. We have a children's team. We, I call them our special forces. They have no filters. <laughs> it just... <laughs> and they don't even pray prayers. Sometimes they just go, bam, and people get healed. So this nine-year-old boy came up to her, and he said, your leg's too short, <laughs> because he has no filters. <laughs> and she explained to him about polio, how she'd had it all her life. He wasn't impressed. <laughs> he said, can we grow it out? <laughs> and she'd never thought about trying to grow it out. So she goes, well, okay. He said, sit down, sit down. So she sat down and he held her legs out and it was, you know, like that much shorter. And he said, grow. And the leg shot out and came, became the same length as the other one. I mean, she was blown away. She, Whoa, she felt it. And so she stood up to experience standing on two legs the same length. And as she stood up, she realized that all her joints worked now. Now, 84 years, this has never happened. She'd never had that. And so... You know, I'm all excited. I said, hey, what's something that you've never been able to do before? And she said, I've never been able to walk up and down stairs properly. I said, oh, you know, we've got stairs out in the hallway. Can we go try it out? I wanted to see. And so she goes out and she walks up the stairs and she turns around. And I get to see her face as for the first time in her life. She walks downstairs completely free of pain, no limping. Oh! So, <laughs> yeah. So she... I mean, she's just joy-filled, and I take her to our, our testimony table where we write down the testimonies of what happens that day. And so she's sharing her testimony. I go do other stuff. And I come back, and she says, hey, watch this. I've never done this in my entire life. He'd healed her arm and her, all the joints in her arm as well. <laughs> Let's give it up for Jesus. <laughs> <Shoo>! <laughs> We, our kids' team is really a joy. The kids, um, a lot of what they do, the little kids, we have six-year-old kids uh, on the team, and th they'll draw pictures of what God's doing, and then they'll go in and they'll ask God who it's for. And this one uh, little kid drew a picture of a tractor with a flat tire. He said, what's that? It's a tractor with a flat tire. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> and... He said, who's it for? And so he's looking around and he sees a, a gentleman in, the, you know, in a room with you know, 200 or so people. And he, he goes, it's for that man. So he takes it over and he goes, excuse me, sir, um, I drew this picture for you. 
God wants you to know that, you know, this is a tractor with a flat tire, but he wants you to know it's okay. He's got it covered. And the guy starts crying, bursts out in tears, and tells his story that he's a farmer. And as he was coming on this trip, he, the day he left the farm, his tractor had a flat tire. He didn't have time to fix it. He's been stressing about it the entire time. And God used a little kid to tell him, it's okay, I got this. I mean, how cool is that? <laughs> Another little kid, um, this kid was six years old. He drew a picture, and it was you know, a little, I needed interpretation when he showed me the picture. <laughs> you know, it's this kind of purple thing and you know, with a black thing. And I said, what's this? And he goes, um, it's a dinosaur. And he went, oh, okay, I, I see that. And it had a little spiky back. I said, what's that thing? It looks like something's in his mouth. And he goes, yeah, that's a crab. I said, really? He goes, yeah, it's a dinosaur, and he's eating a crab. I went, okay. And so we asked him who it was for, and he saw this gentleman, and we went over to him, and the gentleman was from Germany. And, you know, the boy said, uh, God gave me this picture for you. He said, and the guy goes, you know, well, yeah, what is it? He goes, well, it's a dinosaur, and he's eating a crab. Well, the German word for cancer is crab. And the man had cancer and was there hoping for healing. And he just got wrecked, and the boy prayed for him. Well, he went to the doctor the next day, and all his cancer you know, numbers came down. He sent us an email, email that said, dinosaurs one, crab zero. <laughs> and, you know, we say this often, there's no junior Holy Spirit. It's really important for us to let our children know and our grandchildren know that they can hear from God. That they're powerful and 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 it's so funny. Our you know like our six-year-old boys in the healing rooms, they'll be playing with a little truck or something, and you know just engaged in in just being a boy. And then all of a sudden they'll go bam, and somebody gets healed, and then they go back and play with the truck. I mean, it's not it's not their laser-like focus <laughs> or their religious <laughs> observance. <laughs> it's just they know who God is, and they know what He does, and so yeah. So our, our kids' team has these T-shirts that say BAM across it. <laughs> okay, so what was the first thing that we asked everybody to agree on? Yeah, the presence of God, presence of Jesus in the room. What was the second thing? <laughs> God's presence in us, the Holy Spirit in us. Shoo. Okay, the third thing we ask everybody to agree on is it says in Psalm 72, 18, you know, you're a God who only does wonders. He only does wonders. That's all he does. Every, everything he does is a miracle. That's all he knows how to do. Miracles are the love language of heaven. You know, sometimes we think we're trying to milk a little miracle out of God, but that's all he does. And he wants to use me. And so we ask our teams to agree with that. See, in the Bible, like when he created the universe, it was just Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, eternal love symphony of heaven, always there, always in love. And they didn't ask anybody. They just created. But once man was created, as you read the Bible, when God does miracles, he uses people. It's just his plan. 
And he never had a better group of people to work with than this. I mean, really, he's not looking for professional people. He's just looking for people. I mean, he, he picked the disciples and look at them. How would you like your name to go down in history as Doubting Thomas? <laughs> and yet he used him. Thomas evangelized India. I mean, they did powerful works. Peter, I will never deny you. <laughs> Cut off the guy's ear. <laughs> he uses imperfect people. He just uses people he wants to use us. Yep, and so he, everything God does is a miracle, and he wants to use people. And so, who in here is a person? Ha! <laughs> I know there's all this weirdness about, you know, gender identity, and you can be anything you want, but so far, everybody's people, as far as I know, in those arguments. They're still people. We are people, and we can be used. Now, maybe people will start thinking, <laughs> I'm a microphone, I'm not a person. But, <laughs> but God uses people, and he wants to use me. This is the only agreement. It's simple as that. In the word he uses people, I'm a person. Yes, here I am. Yep, he qual he's qualified us. It says he qualified us to share in his inheritance. We're qualified by God. And so that it's a simple agreement. He wants to use me. Okay? So the, uh, the fourth thing we ask people to agree on. Oh. I know what it is, but I said, looking for it on my piece of paper. <laughs> it disappeared. Um, is that every time we gather together, impossible things are going to happen. Why? Because he's present. He's present in the room. He's present in us. He only does miracles. He wants to use us. And so here we are, a group of people coming together. You know, and, and this is the, you know, for the healing rooms, it's wonderful because all our people show up on Saturday morning and they're ready for it because God's going to do miracles. And maybe some are tired, maybe, you know, finances aren't working, whatever. But when they come, they know this is this is going to be a day where we're going to see miracles. But what if the church, every time we gathered together, had the same mindset? Wow, we're gathering together, and you're going to be in the midst of us, God. And you're thinking about it before you come. Wow, you're here, and you're going to be in everybody. And you only do miracles, and you're going to use us to do miracles. Oh, and when we gather together in you know, this meeting or that meeting or this home group or this Sunday morning service or whatever, impossible things are going to break out. <laughs> and so if we can agree on those four things, this is, this is that developing that culture of heaven, that expectancy that God's here and he's going to do what he says he wants to do because it's his plan. Just say it's his plan. Yeah, We're, we sometimes, because, because our intellect's running the show and we don't see things, we try to, um, you know, project, you know, get God to do our plan. We're going to have a healing meeting. You've got to show up, God, and we've got to have a lot of healing. As opposed to, 
Oh, God, you're here. Oh, you're here. Oh, my goodness, you only do miracles and you want to use us. Oh, some impossible things are going to happen right now. It, you know, it's just a different because it comes from the culture of being loved on the inside. And this is the hardest thing for people um, to, you know, to come into that culture of heaven. The, the, the most difficult thing is when we don't know who we are. We don't know our identity in Christ. We don't know that we're a new creation. We don't know that we're loved. We don't know that we've become family, that we're, we've been born again into an, the incorruptible seed of the word of God, which lives and endures forever, that I'm not my past. My identity isn't based on my past or my failures. It's based on who he says I am. I am who you say I am, God. And... You know, this is probably the greatest teaching that needs to happen in the church is the teaching about our identity in Christ, that we are new cre creations. How many things passed away? Oh, all. Oh. How many things became new? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what if that was true? Yeah. And so we can identify with the past and all our failures, or we can identify with the word of God. And this is the renewing of our mind so that we get to prove his good and pleasing and perfect will. When we renew our mind to what he says is the truth, then all of a sudden we get to take it out for a test drive. We get to be the proof of what he says is true. And stuff happens not because we're so good, it's just because we're trusting him. And he's altogether trustworthy. You know, faithful is he who called you. He will do it. And so I want to rest in his faithfulness. Not that I have a mighty faith. I've got the faith of Smith Wigglesworth. I'm going to see healing. I have faith in the faithful one who is the healer. I love Smith Wigglesworth. We do teach our teams not to pretend you're Smith Wigglesworth. Don't do those things. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't do those things. <laughs> okay, so um, I think that we should just do some miracles right now. I mean, why not? Why wait? We can do them tonight too. He won't run out. <laughs> we won't wear out the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, I'm so tired. I healed people all day long. Oh. <laughs> Many of our people in the healing rooms tell us continually, the ones who come every week because they're such addicts, <laughs> they say, I, I get more energized when I come. I might be tired when I come in, but I get more energized. You know, just and I get filled with excitement in life because I just saw a hundred miracles. I saw, you know, God do wonders right here. Okay, so I'm going to give just a, a little outline of our um, prayer model. And this isn't the only way you do things, but, but I, I'm making it simple. How many have ever been instructed in, in the complex ways of getting people healed and all the difficulty that it entails. Yes, so um, 
one time I, I, was, I was actually in Germany, and any Germans in the midst of us? Anyway, Germans are, you know, like systematic, <laughs> structured, organized, orderly. Everything has to be in order. And, and so I was doing this whole conference on the ease of healing, and people were getting healed, and, you know, just all of this. You know, it was so easy, and they just went, wow, it's so easy. It's just God's word and his plan. And so then one guy raised his hand, and he said, well, what should we do with all of these difficult teachings about how hard it is and all you have to do, the many things you have to do to try to get people healed? I said, well, let's do a prophetic act. So actually, let's do a prophetic act right now. Everybody stand up, please. Prophetic acts are just acting out things that are true in heaven. And so we're going to take all of those difficult thoughts and difficult ideas and problems with getting people healed, and we're going to dump them in a prophetic toilet that is right in front of us, okay? So I want you to just throw all of the difficulties and hard things and how hard, it's so hard to get people healed, and you know, you got to jump through all these hoops, you got to, got to go through many trainings, lots of schools to get people healed. Okay, now, when I count to three, I want you to push the, the button that flushes. And, but you have to make a loud flushing noise, okay? One, three. Bye-bye. <laughs> so so I, did this in, I did this in this conference, and, and somebody from the back yells, I need a plunger for mine. <laughs> you can sit down if you like. <laughs> okay. So I'm into the simplicity of the gospel. I mean, I love what Paul, Paul said. He said, I fear for you that just like the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, that you might be corrupted in your minds from the simplicity that's in Christ. He made it simple. And, you know, religion and our intellect and the world try to make it more difficult. But it's simple. Okay, and it's really simple when it's all about him. So the first thing that we want to do when we're praying for somebody, because I'm just setting you up because then we're going to minister to each other and see miracles. The first thing is to recognize that he's here like we do. Turn our attention to him among us and within us. We want to con connect with God. The second thing is we want to connect with our guest, the person that we're going to minister to, whoever that is. And in connecting with the guests, there are a couple of ways we connect. You know, we're going to honor the person, but we're not going to honor their condition. Okay, and people many times want to talk on and on about their condition because they feel like if you just understood all the pain and the torment they've been through forever and ever and ever, you know, you'd empathize. And, but that doesn't get them healed. That just commiserates with pain. And so all we're looking for is a target. And so many times as, as our guests are talking about, you know, I've got all of this stuff. You just listen for something. You go, oh, back pain? Wow, can we pray about that? You know, you just interrupt. And I tell our teams all the time, just interrupt. Now, in our exercise, I'm not even going to let you talk. You only get one, one sentence to declare what you need healing for. <laughs> but... Um, you know, we, we need to cut people off from indulging in the, the size of the problem because we're filled with the size of Jesus. 
And we're wanting to bring them under our atmosphere of heaven, not come under their atmosphere of hopelessness and misery and pain. Now, sometimes people come because they really are hopeless. It's been a long time. And then sometimes the first thing we have to do is just help them lift off hopelessness. Wow, are you feeling hopeless? Yeah, I feel so hopeless. Hey, could we just, let's just lift that off. Would you just lift that hopelessness off like a big winter overcoat and just dump it to the floor? And I just want to impart hope. You see, hope, it's not a platitude. It's not just a nice thing we say. Hope is the currency of heaven, and we carry it, a living hope inside of us. So when I release hope into somebody, something happens and is transferred. But sometimes just that hopelessness or discouragement is so pervasive, they're not able to receive your prayer yet. And so you just, you just want to be sensitive. We're connecting with the person and we, because they're a real person. They're not a project. We want to ask their name. We want to look them in the eye. The eye is the lamp of the soul. I want to you know, look right into your eye, call you by name. Yeah, because yeah, God's called us by name. We're his. The eye is the lamp of the soul. So we make this connection with the person. We're connecting to God. We're going to connect with the person. And maybe they're connected with God, but maybe I'm their only connection to God. And that's okay. I can do that too. We see people on the street who aren't believers at all get healed all the time because I'm connecting with them as a person and I'm their connection to God. They might say, I don't have any faith for that. Go, That's okay, I do. I've got it for you. I got this. <laughs> and if I don't have it, then I pull in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. And so the connection with the person can be a lot of things, but we want to make it somewhat brief, and in a healing meeting, really brief. Out on the streets, maybe you make a little more connection because they, they need to feel known and seen. But you know, in this meeting, as we're going to do it, our connection with God, we've been working on that all morning. Our connection with the person is just a, you know, a name. Look them in the eye. Find out their condition, and they're only allowed to, to say one sentence to describe their condition. And, and a short, like five words, maybe. And, and then we just know what the target is. We don't have to know how long or how painful or any of that stuff. Because we're just, it's just a target, and God knows all that stuff already. And we're bringing them into the atmosphere of heaven, not coming under the atmosphere of their misery. Okay? And so, you know, the, those are the first two things. Connect with God. Connect with our guest. And then we want to ask God, and, and sometimes, you know, the, the person's talking and we're going, okay, wait, let's pray about that right now. Okay, don't jump on, lay, hand, lay on hands and start praying. Stop. And, and you can tell your guest that, wait, we're just going to stop and wait in his presence because I want to know, God, what are you saying and what are you doing right now? I just want to hear from you because I want to, partner with what you're doing. I don't want to try to get you to do what I want to do. Make sense? Okay, so we just stop. And it can be the most awkward thing in the world sometimes, but it's okay. I'm just waiting on you. What are you saying? What are you doing? And then when we hear something, 
okay, this is how we're going to do it. And, and God might say, you know, I want you to, you know, walk around this person three times. I mean, he might say, I want you to lay hands on them. He might, you know, he, he could say anything. But if it involves the person, you know, like Daniel, you know, if I'm going to pray for him and I feel like, you know, he's got uh, a problem in his back and I feel like I'm supposed to, um, you know, punch him in the back <laughs> and he'll get healed, then you want to invite somebody into that and give them the opportunity to say no. You know, but I feel like God just wants me to punch you in the back and, you know, you're going to get healed. Would that be okay? Now, if Daniel's brave, he might say okay. Um, but if he says, I don't know if I want that, I go, well, well, how about if I just punch like right towards your back because I'm going to punch the devil and, you know, then your back's going to get healed. And he goes, okay, I'll agree with that. But whatever it is that you're, you're seeing, and it, it could be just, you know, it could be laying on hands, it could be saying something, it could be singing over them. I mean, just anything that God's doing, but you want to ask them. I, had, um, I had, had a man came into the healing rooms who had fourth-stage cancer. He was dying, actually. He was on a, a, a wheelchair that laid out like a stretcher, and he was skin and bones, and his skin was like green, and his eyes were brownish-yellow, and he could hardly breathe. I mean, he, was, he had been given like a week or so to live. And his family came in, they're all mourning, you know, and they're bringing him in, and we're going to pray for him. And, and the first thing I do is I separate the, the mourners from the person. I just said, hey, would you guys all sit over here and just pray over here? We're going to take, you know, Grandpa over here, and we're going to pray for him. Okay, we got this. You know, because you don't want all the mourners around, because we're, we're coming into the joy of heaven. And so I come over here with Grandpa, and, you know, we were asking God, okay, what are you saying? What are you doing? And I felt like God was saying, I just want you to laugh over him. Well, you don't just go up to somebody with four-stage cancer and go, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> he could be offended. They will be offended for sure. <laughs> you know, and, and so you, you engage with him. And I said, hey, um, I feel like God wants to release the joy of heaven over you. Would that be okay? He goes, yeah, I could use some joy. So, well, my interns and I, we're, we're just going to gather around you, and we're going to laugh over you, if that's okay. He goes, yeah, go for it. You know, and so we start laughing, and, we, and all of a sudden, the joy of heaven hits us. We're laughing like crazy over him, and we're laughing, and then he starts laughing. And, you know, he can hardly breathe. So we're laughing, and he's laughing, and we're laughing, and he's laughing. And the more he laughs, the more he breathes. He's taking deep breaths, and he's laughing hysterically. His skin starts changing to pink. You know, he's, he's getting breath. All of a sudden, joy comes in. The pain leaves his body. Now, he's still skin and bones, but he can breathe. He feels great, no pain, and he's laughing. And so, you know, after a while of this, he, you know, he feels really good, and, it, you know, it's time for them to go. And so his family takes him off, and, you know, and they head home. Well, a week later, he comes back to the healing rooms, and this time he's in a wheelchair, sitting up in the wheelchair. And he comes in, and he goes... I want some more of that laughter therapy. <laughs> we go, okay, we can do that. We've not, we've not prayed at all. And we got around him, and we laughed, and he laughed, and we laughed, and he laughed. The third week, he comes in on, with a walker, walking. He's supposed to be dead by now. 
And so we, you know, he wanted a little more laughter therapy. So we laugh and he laughs. The fourth week he comes in walking. He's been eating. He's put on weight. Oh, Jesus did that. We never prayed for the guy. But we, when, we, when we heard what God was doing, we asked him and invited him into it to see. Because he could say, no, that's too weird. I don't want to do that. That's his choice. We're not going to project things on people that we have to do, that they have to comply with. We're inviting them into an encounter with the love of God, and they have free will. Um, and that's one of the things we want to remind people is Jesus has given you back authority in this body. In your body, you have authority back because many times they've given it away to sickness, to disease, to you know emotional manipulation, to... Uh, the medical profession, and, and I'm not saying the medical profession is bad, but when you let them tell you everything about you and run you and you don't feel good about it, it's, it's time for you to go, wait a minute, I, I just have to have a say in this. Um, because God's given you responsibility for this temple and the health care you choose. And that's right, you know, I want somebody, I went in to see a doctor for something, and, and he, was, he was rude, he was d demeaning, and I just went, well, no, this isn't going to work. <laughs> I'm not doing this. <laughs> I haven't gone back. <laughs> I went to Dr. Jesus. <laughs> we had a guy come down from the, to the healing rooms from Oregon and, with cancer, and he got healed went back and, you know, t they wanted to do some chemotherapy, but they, he said, no, test me first. And they tested and they couldn't find any cancer. And they said, well, you know, we, we should do chemo anyway just in case it comes back. And he goes, you mean in case it comes back means that it's not here, right? And they go, well, yeah. He goes, well, then no, thank you. <laughs> I'd rather not. And uh, they said, well, by the way, what was the name of that doctor you went to see in Reading? <laughs> he goes, Dr. Jesus. <laughs> uh, so we want to, you know, th this is that, that third point. We're asking God, what are you saying and what are you doing? Now, if you don't hear anything, it's okay. It's just if you do see and hear something, you want to go with that. If you don't hear and see anything, what we tell our teams is it's time to command the bad stuff to go and pour the good stuff in. It's just a displacement. And you do it with authority because we're seated with him in heavenly places. And so we're not asking pain, oh, pain, please leave. We're not asking Jesus to take the pain away. We're just going, no, we've been deputized by Jesus. He said, heal the sick. So we command that pain to leave with authority or that sickness or that cancer or whatever. So if you aren't getting anything else, you just command the bad stuff to go with authority. And then, and sometimes, you, you know, they'll feel the pain go down right away. They might not feel anything right away, but you're still commanding and it's got to go. Then you want to release the good stuff. And, and by the time you've gotten in motion doing this, the Holy Spirit's going to be leading you. And the, and the things you didn't see or hear before, he's going to start leading you. And, and you'll realize, wow, I just want to release peace over them. Or whatever you carry. You might carry hope, peace, joy, anything. You're going to start releasing the stuff of heaven. You can declare healing. 
Um, healing is a proclamation. It's a prophetic destiny for this person. You're going to speak that over them. You're going to release, bless you. You're going to release his joy. You're going to release peace. I, I like, I, I almost always feel like people need to come into peace, that shalom of heaven. Because they're, you know, they've been upset. They've been agitated. They've been anxious about their condition. And so I'm, okay, whew, all that anxiety flees right now. All that pain flees. Right now we're going to release the peace of God. And you're just helping them displace the atmosphere of sickness and anxiety and fear with the peace and joy of heaven. And you're pouring healing in, and it's like a, a glass, you know, and, you, and the ugly stuff's getting flushed out and the good stuff's flowing in and flowing in. So that's just what we do. And, and you're just being led by God in how to do it. But whatever it takes, you know, the bad stuff goes, the good stuff comes in. You might get an idea of some action for them to do in agreement with it. I was praying for a man who, he was actually deaf in one ear, and then his ear popped open. He was so excited. And then he said, well, this other thing you can't pray for because God can't heal it. I love that. You know, just tell me what God can't do. Come on. <laughs> he said, well, no, because it's, it's a generational thing. It's hereditary. My grandfather had this condition, and he died of it. My father had it. He died of it. And I have it, and they say, I'm going to die of it. And so, you know, God can't fix that because it's hereditary. I went, and I just got this picture. I said, hey, here's a whiteboard. And I made this whiteboard in the air there, and I said, on it is written your entire DNA code. And here's an eraser. And I just want to invite you to erase your old DNA code, and we're going to replace it with the DNA of Jesus. We've been born again of his blood. Is that true? Yes. It says, and it says in, in uh, Peter, Peter says we have the divine nature of the Almighty. DNA. New DNA. So I give him this invisible racer, and he's standing there looking at it. And I'm thinking he's going to race, but he's just stuck there looking at it. I'm going, <laughs> but I feel like God's telling me to back off. And, and he's engaging and engaging, and all of a sudden, with great intentionality, he goes to the whiteboard, and he goes, and he erases it and steps back, and he goes, whoa, something just lifted off of me. Oh, it left, whatever that thing was. It might have been a demon spirit. It might have just been the condition. It might have been anything. You don't have to know because it's gone. And so we just declared life in him, and all, he couldn't find any of his symptoms. Shoo! Jesus. And so the, thing, the reason I say that is, like, inviting people into prophetic acts is, is causing them to step into their healing. In reality, that's what Jesus has done, is wiped out our old DNA and replaced it. But for him to engage with that, he becomes a part of the healing. And he gets to experience it. And so that's why, you know, we want to hear what God's say, saying and see what he's doing because we want to partner with him. So, you know, these are, I'm just going over this stuff and then I'm, I'm going to coach you through it. You don't have to remember this stuff, but it's good to write it down. So then after that, we stop and we ask our, our friend, okay, what are you experiencing right now that's different? I don't ask them, how's the pain now? Because then their focus pain. Oh, and maybe the pain went down, but it's still pain. So they go, oh, yeah, I still have pain. We go, what's changing and what is different? And they go, well, wow, the pain is less. 
oh, less pain. Okay, God's moving. That's We're going to partner with what God is doing, not the part that hasn't happened yet. See, because when we put our attention on what God is doing, we see it expand. Not because we're manipulating God to do more by thanking him and focusing on it. He already planned more. He planned the whole healing. But we're connecting with what he's doing and going, oh, that's the thing we're going to partner with. And then we get the person to put their attention on what is happening, and they see the rest of it start diminishing. And so we're asking people to take an inventory, you know, what's happening in your body. Uh, and, and we had a woman who had 20 years of migraine headaches. Now, that's just wrong. That shouldn't be. And so we're praying for her, and I said, okay, what's, what's new and different? What's happening that's different? Okay, she still has the migraines. They're still intense, but she said, my feet are tingling. So I go, yeah, tingling feet, whoa. You know, she's not all excited. She doesn't know why that would be a problem. I mean, a good thing because she's still got the problem in her head. But I said, I think he's starting at the bottom and working his way up. <laughs> and she starts focusing on her tingling feet, and, you know, which takes your attention away from her headache. And she goes, Whoa, my feet are really tingling. It's increasing. Oh, it's going up my legs. My legs are, oh, my knees, my hips. Whoa, my torso's tingling. The tingling is covering my body. Whoa. And he came up and he tingled all the way out her head, and 20 years of migraines left. Whoa. See, this is why we want to find out what's happening because we want to partner with what he is doing and how he's doing it, not with what we want to see happen or they want to see happen because he does it better. I just feel like i got to tell one more funny story because it's so good. Um, so this woman came in, and she had uh, tumors on her uterus. And she had five large tumors on her uterus. And it was swollen. It was painful. And she came in, and we prayed. And she experienced peace and the glory of God, the presence of God. She was so encouraged. But she still, you know, nothing changed there. She still felt, you know, it was all stiff and hard and painful. And so she went away encouraged. Well, she went to her doctor a couple of weeks later for this checkup, and he put her on the ultrasound. And he said, see, and he, you, he, you could see the tumors. He said, see, there are five large tumors right there. And you could, you could see them on the ultrasound. He said, the only thing we can do is a complete hysterectomy. When he said that, she said, no way. And one of those tumors just went pop and disappeared right off the screen. The doctor goes, wait a second, there's something wrong with the machine. <laughs> he goes, well, you see, there are four large tumors on your uterus. So he takes out some kind of me measuring device, and he goes up to the screen to measure and show her how big this tumor is. And when he goes to touch it on the screen, it disappears. It goes pop, and it's gone. We see there are three large tumors on everyone he went to measure popped and disappeared from the screen. He started, you know, doing all these checks and everything, and he's, and all the pain was gone. She felt great. There's they can't find any tumors. He goes, Well, um, actually there's no reason for you to be here. Uh, I don't think we're gonna do any procedures. <laughs> and she went home. And you know, and so we were talking about it, you know, he God could have healed her right there in the healing rooms when we prayed, but wasn't that more fun? 
<laughs> I mean, we want to do it the way God wants to do it because it's going to be more fun. It's going to impact more people. It's going to be great. And so we just release the healing and, and obey and, you know, command healing and release heaven and command the bad stuff to go. But how it plays out is God's game. And he's going to be glorified and we're going to have fun in it.